You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Hope you're doing well, staying healthy, and staying safe during this particularly crazy time. Uh, I don't know what day or how to quantify where we're at in the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, but we are still in the thick of things. And um, I'm really, really grateful for this episode where I got to record with my friends from 699 per pound podcast, which is based in New York City. Um, in this episode, I got to sit down with my friends, Jakey, Joanna, and Michael. Michael's actually the producer and very much behind the scenes of 699 while Jojo and uh, Jakey are the hosts. And um, yeah, we just wanted to take a second to reflect on what's going on because New York right now, at least in the United States, is kind of the epicenter. They are uh, ground zero in terms of all the the madness that's going down. So I wanted to check in with them and uh, just really appreciate their voice. You know, they are such a really real and educational platform for a lot of different issues. And uh, it's just such a treat that I got to check in on them and hear their thoughts because they're brilliant and I love them. So um, that is this episode. But before we get into it, I wanted to share a few things um, as as an intro. Number one being that at this current moment, we are at the beginning of April in 2020. Um, we are entering the second week of April, which is a very significant milestone in terms of how this pandemic is starting to pan out in New York, in the United States. So right now we are facing a personal protection equipment shortage. So the PPE, that acronym has been floating around more and more. If you guys don't know what that stand for, stands for, it is personal protection equipment. We're talking about masks um, and we're talking about all the protective gear that doctors and frontline workers and healthcare providers need in order to treat patients. Um, so we are facing, we have been facing a shortage and there's been a lot of different politics involved on getting uh, these healthcare workers what they need. So in light of that, um, everybody in this country and I think around the world has been advised that it is best to have your own PPE, your own mask to wear out whenever you go outside. Um, but we do need to prioritize healthcare providers having those PPE at their disposal because they are interfacing, they're interacting with patients um, in real time, face to face on a regular basis. So if you guys have any disposable uh, PPE or or have the ability to donate, um, please do that. Please Google it. Please send it out. Um, I just did a donation through mask-match.com where I had a set of extra N95 surgical masks and then the regular disposable surgical masks that I had bought off Amazon. I had a bunch that 
you know, I've been self-isolating and staying quarantined, so I don't really need, and they need that. So I entered my information. I filled out a really quick survey that took less than five minutes on mask-match.com. And then I was matched with a facility and with people that are in need of the mask that I have available. So this past week, I mailed it out to Nevada, and hopefully, you know, they can use the 30-something odd mask that I sent them, and it can go to good use. In the meantime, uh, you can also have your own PPE, and that is recommended that you wear whenever you go outside. And uh, there's a lot of DIY tutorials going on outside where you can create your own handkerchief face mask. There's uh, a really cool zero-stitch mask that was I, I saw on um, Run Run Array. It's at R-U-N-A-R-A-Y. That was shared by my friend Janet Wong um, from Asian Boss Girl. And it's literally all you need is scissors and an old t-shirt. And you don't have to sew anything. So if you're scared of like the needle and thread or you don't have a sewing machine at your disposal, you can make a mask without any sewing machine, without any stitching, any sewing necessary. It's zero stitch mask. Um you can also honestly use a bandana. I've been going outside after I donated my mask. I used my um, snowboarding face shield while I took a walk, and I'm not even going to really take walks anymore. Um, this week is a really important time for people to not even go shopping if you don't need. If you have enough food to last you the week, this is a peak week situation um, in terms of this virus situation. So please just stay safe and isolate. I cannot stress enough how important it is to quarantine and to self-isolate at home, to stay home. And um, I've been hearing stories like consistently from different people sharing on social media from my own friends and family about people who are still kicking it and going to each other's houses and some people going on dates and hooking up. Like, I, I'm about to get vulgar stop that nonsense and stay home. It's not a really big sacrifice at this point that just because in some places there's an advisory for under groups of under 10 or whatever, the more opportunities there are for this virus to be exposed to other people, it it is a serious situation. It is not a joke, okay? This is up to us. It's our responsibility to sacrifice our own comfort and our own loneliness and whatever and Stay away from each other. Just stay home. Chill out. You have food. You have Netflix. You have each other via FaceTime, via phone, via Zoom, whatever. Have a book. Have a bath. Whatever. Just don't hang out with one another. I literally gave my own mother an earful um, for still hanging out with her friends. Now, I know that that's a big part of like her feeling connected to each other and her, my dad especially having friends. But that is still no excuse. They're already getting exposure by running their small business. They're considered an essential business. They still have customers that they're interacting with. And I needed to break it down to her and to my dad that they're further exposing themselves and they're exposing their friends to potential spreading of this virus. There are plenty of asymptomatic people who can continue to spread this virus and they live on surfaces, okay? This is not a joke. This is why hand washing is important, okay? So the best thing we can do right now, literally just chill. And the reason why it's important for us to chill, if people don't fully understand, because there's a lot of misinformation going out there and a lot of extremely incompetent leadership that is not directing 
the severity and the urgency of the situation as we are seeing in terms of numbers in New Orleans, in freaking the entire state of Georgia with Brian Kemp, who's one of the biggest idiots. I'm just saying it. He's one of the biggest idiots and biggest frauds of leaders that I've ever seen, jeopardizing 10.5 million people in Georgia by not enforcing a stay-at-home order. These are very, very serious things, you guys. People are not equipped right now in hospitals to take care of all of these sick people. If you guys have not been paying attention to the news, which I completely understand if you need to keep your mental health in check and don't want to you know, participate in that noise or whatever, I get it. But just for your information, for you to understand what is going on, our hospitals are not equipped. Our healthcare providers are not equipped to deal with this high volume of sick patients. On top of the fact that the hospitals are getting increasingly crowded, that we don't have enough PPE, that we don't have enough ventilators, that there's a hoarding of drugs that are happening right now because some stupid people like the ones that are sitting in the White House are putting out potential information about which drugs may be the cure, quote unquote, for this disease that is causing a mass hoarding of drugs that are for malaria and for people with a ton of other regular diseases on an ongoing basis. There's a lot of things at play right now. It's a lack of space. It's a lack of human caregivers. It's a lack of drugs and protection. Our frontline workers, our healthcare providers are getting sick. Okay, they are exposed to sick people and there's a significant portion of them in their repeated exposure to the sick people that are getting sick themselves. Now, if our healthcare providers are getting sick, And they're incapacitated so they cannot even take care of those who need our help. I mean, this is this is a very big freaking deal. That is why there's the utmost importance for you to sit your ass at home, to stay home and chill out and don't bend the rules. Don't make exceptions for yourself and just stay at home. And I want people to help educate and and in whatever gentle or severe fashion you need to, to get the message across, how important it is to do our part to help out those frontline workers. They are literally facing death and they are having to make terrible decisions because besides coronavirus, there are regular people who get sick. There are people who have diseases and cancer and diabetes and lung disease and liver disease. They have other issues that existed before coronavirus ever existed. Now, these doctors are having to make the decision between who gets to live and who gets to die. And that is such a terrible, that is a shitty place to have to be in, to make that call, okay? And that's stuff that these people have to live with on top of the fact that they're isolated from their own families because they are getting exposure to coronavirus. This is a very serious situation. And Quite frankly, the reality of the situation is the U.S. has not done a really good job. Not a really good job. We have done a pretty terrible job at warning people, at taking the situation seriously, about enforcing decisions that should have been made months ago when certain leaders were given information and enough power to make the call but didn't. The time that we lost, we are paying for it right now in terms of people getting sick and potentially dying. I also need to express how strongly I feel about this because I just found out that my friend that passed away did die of coronavirus. I have personally experienced someone I know and that I love and that I think was just one of the best human beings to ever walk the face of the earth passed away because of coronavirus. And it is not anything that I want anybody to deal with. On top of the fact that I don't even want you to be sick, period. Like, I don't I don't even want anybody to feel ill. And so... I won't go too much longer, but 
there are very significant practical, logical reasons why we need to do our part and why we need to stop the misinformation and help one another understand that this is something that needs to be addressed immediately. It's not something to treat casually. It's not something to say, okay, well, after this moment, like I'll I'll do it. No, do it now. Do it immediately. Be responsible. Take care of yourself and take care of others. So if you have any PPE that you can um, donate directly or that you can donate to a fund or whatever so that they can create more supplies and more pipelines for the people who need it to get it directly, please do that. Um, I know we're all cooped up and there's like cabin fever and there's all sorts of like crazy things going on. There's anxiety, there's depression, and I feel for all of you and I send you all my love. But let's prioritize those who really, really need it now who are basically at war with this virus and just send them our support. Okay, as quickly, as expediently as possible. So in light of that, um, for your own PPE, if you don't want to do the zero stitch mask or the DIY situation with like a handkerchief or whatever, um, there's two organizations, two companies that I want to highlight real quick. One is uh, Good Fight which uh, Caleb and Christina, two friends of mine, uh, Caleb is the founder of, and it is just a wonderful fashion line and apparel line that has turned their productions into fighting this virus. So they have created a... uh, a mask that you can purchase, but they have also um, supplemented the purchasing of that mask with an effort to go towards local laborers. So every every mask that is purchased, there's a portion of the funds that go towards local laborers, that go towards um, equipment for healthcare workers and for other essential business workers, and also to support the Good Fight team in the production of these masks. And for every mask that's sold, Good Fight will donate a mask to local institutions that are in need of PPE. And they also have a situation where if you're a health organization or an essential business that stays open like my parents' company and have uh, bulk pricing inquiries, if you need them, please send an email to them. and You can reach them at info at gdfht.com. So check it out. It's at goodfight at G-O-O-D-F-I-G-H-T. And check out their masks and see if that's something that you want to back. The other one is uh, Human Good LA, which is run by Jubilee Media. And they are also selling masks. And yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many wonderful people that are out there mass producing it. There are uh, tons of people, individuals who are at home sewing them and figuring out ways to distribute and send them out. It's amazing to see that outpouring of love and that effort and support. So support these people, put in your, you know, Starbucks money or whatever, donate if you can. If you can't, just spread the word on Instagram. Like that's the very least that you can do. And that's for free, right? So um, please do that. And final thing that I want to plug before we dive into this episode is about the census. Now, I know that there's a lot of craziness going on, but I mentioned in my last episode's intro that um, the census is upon us. It's once every 10 years. And you guys, we cannot lose the significance of how important the census is. It's literally literally just a count of everybody in the United States. And this count, it dictates funding. It is our civic duty, and it educates how our community plans and the future and our representation in government will play out. And the fact that it happens only once every 10 years is a very significant thing. That count counts for a lot, okay? It will ensure public services and it will direct funding. I think it's at $675 billion, how those funds will be distributed for schools, for hospitals, and for fire departments, all of which have become crucially important in terms of 
their necessity for everyday life and especially right now. And it will help plan new homes and for businesses and to improve neighborhoods. And these funds will also be distributed um, just to the to the general public to make sure that your community is represented. Okay. And um, it will also determine how many seats that your state is allocated in the House of Representatives. Now, if y'all have not been paying attention to politics, I know how how political and how stressful and like exhausting it all is, but we need to participate. And I know a lot of my listeners are Asian American and we are we are very, very low in terms of our turnout. And we need to engage. We need to make our make sure our voices are heard. We need to make sure that our problems, our issues, and our minds and our intellect is directed into something productive and constructive for the for the collective. Okay? Just because you're doing all right and just because your friends are doing all right. It's not enough anymore. We got to look out for each other and we got to make sure that the powers that be are held accountable and that we are not falling victim to a broken system. Do whatever you can. This is not the time to like sit back and just see where the see where things fall. Okay? It's time for us to participate and do our part and do the very best that we can to help shape the future. Okay? Cuz this the next 10 years our lives are going to transform drastically. It's already drastically changing like day by day right now. So please do not take this lightly. You can do it on the phone. You can do it online. You can do it by mail. Um, and just go to 2020census.gov for more information. It takes less than 10 minutes to fill out. So please, I request, I ask you to please do this. Tell your parents. I am, uh, my parents are actually better than me. They already filled it out. So shout out to my parents, even though they're not social distancing properly. At least they filled out the census. I give them that. So, uh, yeah. People need help. Um, if people need help with translating, whatever, figure out your resource, figure out your like what five people that you can talk to to make sure that they do their part. And um, don't be lazy. Don't delay. Don't feel like their voice doesn't count. If we talk to just, you know, a few people within our networks, we can reach everybody. I truly believe that. So do your part and do the thing. I believe in you. I love you. Um, and I'll continue to record the podcast and get brilliant people on here to help share their knowledge and their insight. So with those announcements and with those requests slash demands um, and with all the love I have in my heart, I am really, really happy and proud to present this episode with $6.99 per pound with Jakey and Jojo and Michael Stewart out in New York City. Um, I hope that you enjoy the episode. I hope that you share it with a friend. If it, if it touches your heart and informs you with something and you want to share it, this is the time to spread love and light. So do the thing, enjoy the episode, and I'll talk to you later. Hey. Me and the eye. Hey, my I'm tired of a treat. Hey guys, hello to my $6.99 per pound family out there in New York. How are you guys doing? We're trying to hold up in here. I mean, New York City is crazy. I mean, we're in our yeah. little bubble, but you know, the, all the calls that I get from my mom, the numbers that are surpassing like 100K at this point just in New York. Um, I'm telling my mom and my parents like, like, oh, like I'm fine, but inside I'm not. <laughs> so yeah. thanks for checking in, Minji. It's been really crazy, actually. Of course. I it's it's very quiet over here on this coast, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like is a good thing. I, I we just got some news that California is doing well in terms of curbing numbers right now, but it's definitely been something to observe and like worry about all you guys out there on the east coast and just wishing the best and hoping that everything somehow like slows down and stops but 
yeah, I, I've definitely been thinking about you guys and wanting to check in. Yeah. Um, no, thank that, you. Thanks. Yeah, it's just crazy to just hear all the sirens going on all the time. You just feel like they don't stop sometimes. Yeah. Like, I, I, right when we were like starting this call, I heard them and I'm like, it's it's a really different thing because like being in, you know, a major city, you get kind of used to like sirens and things happening because it's life, but it takes on a kind of a different color now. Ooh, JK, yeah, yeah, how are yeah. you doing? I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's it's real out here, man. It's a, it's a real situation. You know, like um, a lot of people that's around us. Um, I think we starting to hear like acquaintances, uh, being affected. Uh, more family members of acquaintances getting affected mm-hmm. by this virus. So it's a real problem out here. Um, fortunately, um, I, I feel like the leadership, at least in the political spectrum in New York has been pretty on point. Like I'm I'm not here to judge whether it was good calls or bad calls, but they've been very um transparent. Um mm-hmm. whether it's Bill de Blasio or um, you know, Cuomo, they've been, you know, they've been very upfront and they've been very direct with the people. So I think uh in that sense I feel I feel much more secure. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I know exactly what to expect. You know what I'm saying? Like I think the first week when um just started to become kind of a a national crisis. You know, I saw like one or two press conferences featuring Pence and Trump. And I was like, nah, I can't, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't fuck with these fools right now, man. Mm -hmm. I can't be listening to these guys. So, so we just went directly to, um, on a, on a, on a, on a local, on a state, a state, uh, on a state level, you know what I'm saying? We Mm -hmm. started catching news on that level and, um, it's much more informative, um, directly affects how we are going to proceed. And uh, mm-hmm. I think this is what week four now is it? Has it been week four already? This I think is week so. four, I mean, right? Yeah, this all is week four. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is week four. So, um, so it's been a month. Literally, it's been a month. I feel like time kind of flies really quickly for me, because um, there's no like in betweens of me like going out doing something and coming back. You know what I mean? It's just everything is kind of just blurring together. The weekends and the weekdays are just all becoming one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So um, it's a weird feeling, you know? Uh, but yeah, you know, like luckily nobody in my family has been affected, knock on wood. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel for those ones that have been affected and all the doctors and the nurses and all the uh, healthcare workers holding it down, especially, um, you know, I, I grew up in Elmhurst in Queens and uh, there's a big hospital over there called Elmhurst Hospital. And that's now kind of like ground zero is like the battleground for this, you know, all, a lot of a majority of the patients, uh, well, actually a big chunk of the patients in New York City are being, that hospital, I believe, is just so, is, is becoming like almost solely dedicated to COVID cases right now. I could be wrong, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, that, that hospital I used to hang out over there, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a McDonald's yeah. in the basement and there's like a park across the street. So it kind of really hits home right now with all the situation that is going on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, I was, I mean, we we're just talking, uh, before we got to start the recording and everything, but you know, I was just sharing with you guys how, uh, a friend of mine, a classmate of mine, an acting classmate mm-hmm. who I found out passed away last week, you know, I, he passed away and that was already like hard enough to deal with. Cause he was literally w- one of the best humans I think on the planet. 
And uh, but he's, you know, an older gentleman. And so we didn't know. And we know I don't think anybody wanted to assume, even though we're maybe all fearing like what was it COVID. Right. And we but we had no way of knowing that. But um, for me, it was last night that it was confirmed that it was COVID. And for me, it's a it's already been a real situation, like understanding these are real human lives. These are people's friends and family and colleagues and, you know, lovers Mm -hmm. that are ending up in the hospital right now. Whew. Speaking but, of hospital, uh, yeah. we hear the sirens. Yeah, it's nonstop. Yeah. Seriously. It's been nonstop, nonstop sirens, man. Nonstop <sighs> real. Yeah. It's and and it's it's just it's definitely hitting home now. Like I think, you know, we've been bracing ourselves for these moments, kind of understanding if you know if we've been paying attention to the facts, right? The the actual transparent leadership that has not been sugarcoating any mm-hmm. of this and giving us giving us the straight information that we need that this week. And the next, you know, we're, we're facing a lot of this, uh, you know, for lack of better terms, like there's, there's going to be more and more deaths, right? And so it has Mm -hmm. definitely hit me, you know, here in the West Coast, I was just saying, it's been very, very quiet. You know, for me, I've been maintaining and dealing with it pretty well. Only thing I've been really dealing with is like the financial instability, like really wondering, like, how do I take advantage of these disaster loans and like what do I do about my mortgage and things like that? Like already on that front, it can be kind of stressful, but fully aware that it's not become like a health crisis in terms of my life. But now I don't know with this news as of yesterday, it's definitely taken on a whole other 10 levels of realness. Mm-hmm. Nah, so. for real, for real. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, obviously the, the symptom um, on a health level is drastic, but I think on an economic level, it's the repercussions are probably going to hit us and probably going to affect us in a much longer term. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we're going to be affected by this for the long run now, you know, like they're already talking about, uh, this is going to be worse than like the great depression, you know what I'm saying? From the 1930s, right. like the shit that we fucking read about in history books, like John Steinbeck novels and yeah. shit, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, well, um, yeah. it's, 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 it's getting real out here, you know? So, I don't know if, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I honestly, like to, to your point, like as a small business owner myself, like, you know, I just been looking into small business loans and banks are now waiting for the federal government to kind of give them an initiative so they could act upon it. So that could trickle down to small business people like myself, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not proud to say it, but you know, we had to furlough a lot of our employees, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, right. it's not. It's it's it is affecting a lot of our lives right now, and you know it, that doesn't mean that I'm still making money like as as mm-hmm. I was like two months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's pockets are trimmed down, and you know, and I know even though people that has like big corporate jobs, they're probably just like nervous right now. Yeah. Like, you know, Monday meeting that Monday all company Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck, are they gonna finally announce it now that we're gonna get furloughed or? Maybe the whole department's going to be cut. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Everybody's on their toes. Yeah. And they can't even go out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like exactly. the, thing with the, with the thing with the recession, I remember because um, I was in college in New York at the time. I was, a, I was an intern at Complex. Um, this was 2008. And as soon as the recession hit, um, a lot of people got cut from the office. And, um, you know, nobody was hiring, um, you know, but- the retail and the restaurants, they were still mm-hmm. around. You know what I'm saying? Like people were still going out to drink. Maybe people weren't popping bottles anymore, but they were still like dining and doing what they had to do. But mm-hmm. this is like a whole different level of 
you know, anxiety inducing situation because you can't even go mm-hmm. out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, you don't even know what these people are doing at their houses. You know what I'm saying? They probably just like surprisingly all the liquor stores are open. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like gun stores and the liquor stores are still open. Shit. I yeah. don't know. I don't know about this country, man. It's like in a health crisis, gun stores and liquor stores are open. Mm-hmm. Why? Like why? I think. I think it's what you guys are saying totally resonates. I think a few weeks ago there was like a daily episode um, from the New York Times of how you know what this worst case scenario look like and i remember the specialist was saying how like you know basically every single person will have like friends who have the virus and every single person will probably know or know a friend of a friend who have you know lost their life to it right and that seemed insane mm-hmm. to me at the time but that's only the virus it's like the symptom of that body but beyond that what you guys are talking about of that the socioeconomic um, impact you know yes we may know you know the person who have ultimately passed but we also know like 20 people that been laid off you know we go down the streets and every single shop is closed off and um, just knowing that it's just been so much more than you know just the health and people's uh, it's people's livelihood that are being affected And I think it's so hard because a lot of my friends and people who are going through this, they were kind of in this growth mindset, right? They were like, okay, we're no longer in this like survival mindset where we can finally live in abundance. We can finally have like lofty goals. And like so many people were so hopeful and so many people have have to have gone back to reverting to that survival instinct and just being like, all right, how do I take it day by day? And I think that's also been tragic too, you know, whether... Yo, 1000%. I mean, 1000% just because like, yeah, like, um, I feel like, you know, they, you know, like, uh, the news media has been saying this for a long time now, like, this is going to be like one of the first generations that's going to be doing worse than their parents generation, right? So, I mean, okay, that that's fucking whack. So, but I, I, you know, I kind of like accepted the fact and then I was like, all right, cool, let me do the best I can. And just when you thought that, you know, with Trump in office, obviously when a Republican is in an office, they're going to do whatever they can to kind of boost the stock market. So mm-hmm. the economy seemed really good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it seemed like, all right, cool. Like, we in an upward trajectory. People started going on vacations, maybe paying for shit on credit that they shouldn't have. Everything mm-hmm. seemed good. Just a month ago, everything seemed good. And now, here we are. You know, and Parasite, I just won the the Oscar and everything. Like, it's it's a it's an interesting time because I guess like for me, I'm still I'm always constantly learning about the the economy. Like, I have a very basic understanding. Right, I'm not an economist. I can get politically minded, but not necessarily in terms of like what's the ones and zeros of like how mm-hmm. everything functions. Right, but in terms of principle and philosophy, that I have a general mm-hmm. understanding of. Right. But this is where, like, Jakey, you were kind of alluding to it in terms of, like, what is the messaging and what is the leadership that is being exhibited, right, by current leaders? I I say that in quotes because I just don't look at them as actual leaders. They hold those titles, but they're not, in my opinion, not doing their Mm -hmm. proper job at all. Um, 
but like, it's, it's a reflection of values. You know what I mean? And like, to me, you know, the economy, the socioeconomic situation of what's going to happen is one thing, but to me, you cannot extricate that or remove that from the emotional fallout that's happening with all of this death. You know what I mean? With the, the fact that we're living in fear of our well-being and that we are going to be going through the trauma, this collective trauma of losing people that are close to us and even those who are not, that is going to impact the economy. That is going to impact our sense of well-being. And that's going to be a lot for us to like bounce back from as human beings because that's what that's what drives me nuts about leadership that only looks at things in terms of like data and economy and who has jobs, like quantifiable statistics that to me do not encapsulate our yeah, collective well-being. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't, that doesn't exactly, it doesn't measure trauma. It doesn't matter, measure our, I mean, I am very faithful mm-hmm. in our resilience as humans. We are very resilient creatures and we will find a way to survive and eventually thrive. But to what degree we're going to take a hit in spirit and no, in no. our ability to like, feel motivation and hope and meaning and purpose when when the ripple effect of all of that that's happening right now like that's that's beyond we cannot how do we even measure that how can we even understand that and the the intuitive part of me is like this is this is way way bigger than i think those guys can wrap their heads around cuz i don't think that they're fully mm-hmm. capable of it <laughs> and yeah. it it really that's what actually instills more fear in me because they have so such minimal if non-existent competence in that area it feels like they just have no recognition of like what an emotional toll this is going to take on people in general right yeah and i think we see that with a lot of the uh strikes happening with a lot of the even the essential workers if you look at amazon to instacart to whole foods um, just like almost when I think about it, like, um, chickens coming home to roost in terms of the type of gig economy that we've been living in, which has been, you know, a lot of people have seen like the abundance of it or look at it with abundance, but now we're faced with the underlying belly of what that actually Mm -hmm. was propped up on in terms of subcontracting and who has responsibility toward who, right. When you look at Instacart, Instacart itself is just a platform where companies or individuals could buy things. But when you look at the people actually picking up the groceries, like who is that? What kind of system are they living in? And how much are they making off every uh, delivery they make? Um, Uber Mm -hmm. too, uh, Lyft, um, Amazon uh, warehouse workers, right? Like you look at Amazon, they're like a shining example of what a master's MBA program, if you take it, to if you take all the lessons from those programs and execute it to a T, like what does that look like for a company? And um, mm-hmm. when you look at like ones and zeros in terms of like looking at people, right? Um, right. And all these companies are coming out with so many uh, statements around you know we've we're doing our best to protect workers, but a lot of people feeling like that's still falling short of right. uh, what they really need in this country. When you look at like china and uh even like italy or like south korea uh singapore taiwan like all these places that are taking these precautions and granted it's from like the trauma of sars and that but 
you know, it's like asking us, the virus is forcing us to ask, you know, what is our moral standing as a country, mm-hmm. as a people? Like, what do we believe in to be mm-hmm. true? Um, what do we support? Yeah. Um, as a collective. Yeah. I mean, um, what do we believe in? How does that actually like exist in reality? Like, well, how I does mean, that I think, I think you know, systematically though, this country been fucked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think it's this, this, you know, this type of situation just doesn't happen overnight. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's fair to like just point that a few fingers, um, to just, to just kind of like. Well, that's what you know, I meant. Like, I meant. Like, yeah, no, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, I, and I get what you're saying. I get, I get what you're saying. But like, if you look at history, like since like the Civil War in this country, uh, industrialization, and um. All the uh, uh, all the all the mega entrepreneurs with tycoons that kind of came out of the 19th century, all of them they kind of found success through uh, a situation that was bad for the general people. You know what I mean? From is is just like a constant cycle of you take advantage of a bad situation, and that's kind of what this country is built upon. That's what capitalism is built upon. You know what I mean? So. You know, we could be over here talking about like, yo, like the morale, because oftentimes a lot of these people in these top positions that we aspire to be, that these schools teach us to be, that our parents want us to work for, um, they're not emotional, mm-hmm. empathetic people. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole concept of, you know, global economy where, okay, like I can make these sneakers in China for 25 cents. Why would I pay a worker somewhere in down south for $25? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not an emotional thing. Like, in business, everything is mathematics. It's about the bottom line. And Mm -hmm. um, I think it'll be, we'll be foolish to be like, yo, like, what's up with these fools? Like, why isn't Jeff Bezos donating a billion dollars when he only donated a hundred million dollars? Like, he's not looking at that. You know what I'm saying? He's just looking at, Mm -hmm. all right, cool. What's the bottom line for me? What's the bottom line for my investors? What's the bottom line for my stockholders? You know? I think another, yeah, I think another way to look at it, though, is that this has been really humbling for a lot of people that like, no matter how rich you are, you know, how privileged you are, how powerful you are, you know, this doesn't, this virus doesn't discriminate, like even seeing like Boris Johnson in critical condition, you know, like, you know, these typical people who are in positions of power, people, you know, Jeff Bezos, okay, he's fine. But what if he gets COVID? I don't know. I'm just saying, right? It's like, I think it really tests our kind of arrogance as humanity of just like thinking that like, you know, we're superior, we, you know, it's 2020, like we have, you know, medical technologies and things and that we can really advance, but then to know that all of this can crumble. And that could be in the level of like, you know, the president of the United States, but it can even be a level for like, personally, me of just like, I found myself so many times just like, oh my gosh, this you know, this has really got in the way of like, you know, my short term goals or this has really got in the way of blah, blah, blah. Like, that's just like a human feeling, like even knowing how privileged I am. But right. Yeah. yeah One thousand. One thousand. <sighs> so. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if more than anything, though, it's it's really a, a I mean, I've been an advocate of universal health care. I've been an advocate of like, you know, free college, you know, all those uh, um, social benefits that uh, it's pretty much implemented in a lot of uh, mm-hmm. the first world countries that yeah. it's only missing yeah. in America. Like basic human rights. I've been, I've been a very vocal advocate of all of that. And 
yeah. you know, like I know my political stance is definitely leans left. Um, but it, but it's kind of mind boggling to me that it only took something like this to happen for people to realize that everything that these, well, specifically someone like Bernie has been saying is, it's not a wild mm-hmm. idea. You know what I'm saying? Like when shit hit the fan, motherfuckers are finally like, oh, damn, mm-hmm. I wish I had that shit. Even though I was going to vote for Biden, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, B, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. done fucked up. And you know, like, again, like if your political stance leans different than me, it's all good. But just know like, yo, what we're asking for, this classist system, you know, the system that basically have this is, is an oligarchy where these motherfuckers are on the top just suppressing us. I mean, if you, even if you look at the statistics, I mean, they were just saying like, yo, black and Latino people are probably going to be affected the most because of this. Not only mm-hmm. because directly by COVID, but the after, after effects of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's inevitable. A lot of these guys are, you know, working off the table. You know what I'm saying? Like, they ain't got no paperwork. What are they going to do? Like if they don't get paid for the next two months and they got no savings, yeah. what do you think they're going to do? You know what I mean? They got to run into the streets. You know what I mean? Right. Like where there's no options, people, people, people do anything by any means necessary. So this is, this is just a, a beginning of a cyclical, you know, cyclical situation that we just see every so often in America. You know what I mean? Um, there's part of me that wants to maintain some level of hope, though, in terms of like, okay, what are the, what are the elements at play that make this current crisis and this current moment in time different? Yeah. Because I want to be solution minded, right? Like, what do we have at our advantage? What's at our disposal as a tool to prevent the fallout from being as cyclical and as predictable as like we're we're pos- like we're putting out there right now? Because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not trying to deny reality and be like, okay, yeah, I mean, but we're better than that. Like, no, nah, I think we got to operate in the in the practical mindset of like we're probably not better than that. But what can we do in light of that, right? Like, I'm I'm of the mindset of like. Let's take no prisoners. Let's use everything at our disposal. And to me, even having like this kind of conversation and putting this publicly out mm-hmm. on air is part of that solution. For me, I've always been very like hesitant to speak out politically, mm-hmm. even though I'm a pretty outspoken person, because I feared speaking ignorantly or coming off stupid or saying something like out of turn that's not correct and somehow misinforming. But like, that's also its own liability to like not even speak at all because you're, you're scared of saying something wrong. Right. Um, Or like speaking out against powers that be, because that's my gripe with a lot of Asian Americans. I actually put out a, a episode recently about my issues with like all of the, the terribly fucking racist assaults that are happening on Asian Americans or Asians all over the world right now being blamed for coronavirus because there was a part of me that still felt bitter towards like all the racist Asians that I know and how much they don't ever speak up. They don't engage civically. They don't ever speak on behalf of other people who are oppressed. There's a lot of things at play, you yeah. know, that keeps me quiet. Right. And, yeah. and so maybe it's, maybe it's because the stakes are so high. Maybe it's cause we're in this like fight or flight, do or die situation that I am going to then continue to break my levels of silence and risk being stupid on air or saying something incorrect and being held accountable or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like getting my, my ass handed to me because we mm-hmm. still just need to advance the conversation. And I think no. that there are tons of smart Asian Americans who are not engaging. And that's just specifically to the community that I know very well. 
Um, there's been so yeah. many people that are abstaining and that, and I'm also included in that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that abstinence is like, yo, when Asian people say like, yo, like they fucking putting us down. They always trying to like, you know what I'm saying? Undermine us. They trying to target us, but yo, like y'all never spoke up mm-hmm. in the first place. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. too often times, like, you know, it's not that the community or the society as a whole consider y'all docile because y'all docile. Mm-hmm. Like y'all don't speak up. You know what I mean? Like, Numbers don't and then lie. The, and, then the, and then the few times that y'all do speak up, I mean, yo, like I do agree with Andrew Yang on a lot of the points, but I think some of the, um, you know, some of the recent moves my man's been making obviously is politically driven. I don't really agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, can, and, can um, we talk but, about that? Because, yeah, I want to yeah, really yeah, hear yeah. your guys' thoughts oh, on that. Okay. Right. Yeah, we can talk about <laughs> Michael's that. Michael's like, oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, we can talk about, no, no, we can talk about that mean, because, yo, like, I mean, Minzy, I'm sure like a lot of your listeners, um, you know, were advocates of what he was representing. They probably got the stupid math pins and all that dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yo, excuse me. But, who yo, do you yeah, think but, the but, listeners are? Oh my god! But 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 to yo to be fair though, to be fair though, I do um I did agree with a lot of the um um policies that Yang was advocating about automation and all of that. You know what I'm saying? I think he's a very smart individual. So don't get me mm-hmm. wrong on that part. But um, I mean, like some of the recent statements that he was saying about like. You know, like I understand, like he was trying to, you know, like convey his message that Amer- Asian Americans have to be more inclusive and be more of the, be more uh, active in becoming a part of the conversation. But the way he phrased it, it's just completely mm-hmm. off, off. You know, it's just completely off, man. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I, my yeah. man was, my man was wild tone deaf. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, you're talking about in San Francisco, Japanese people couldn't even be buried with white people until the 70s. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like what what else can we do to prove our Americanness? You know what I mean? Like, we fucking participated in wars. We pay taxes. We fucking take care of you every Christmas because you know your your mom doesn't want to cook if you're Jewish. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yo, what else can we do for you? You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Yeah. I, I yeah. honestly don't know. It was really disappointing yeah. for me. I mean, I met Andrew Yang. I did support. And I didn't know in terms of like who to vote for or whatever. I was not. I, I felt like he was an important part of a of a bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the, the practical solutions that he brought to the table. I really, I really appreciated him. And I still do appreciate him. I still like what he did, I think, is historic. I think it was helpful mm-hmm. to a lot of like things that were like all over the place in terms of like the democratic and the national conversation. Mm-hmm. I think he did a really important thing. Um, and now they're trying to like use his UBI situation to, mm-hmm. uh, to help solve this crisis. Yeah. But like, yeah, in terms of the, in terms of that part, that narrative about Asian America, I was like, I was uh, like putting my head mm-hmm. in my hands yeah. and pulling my hair a little bit. I was like, Oh no, Andrew, no. Cause it was, I, I, I felt underneath everything what he was meaning but it just came out all wrong yeah yeah it just came out wrong yeah i mean this harkens back to you know being japanese it's like jacl when they put japanese people in camps like this is literally the same messaging that they gave japanese people um to be more american and then japanese people went out and died in italy in world war ii and then you know after the war you come back to the west coast white people stole all your stuff mm-hmm. They're not letting you on the sidewalks. They're still pushing you. They're still redlining you in Seattle. So, I mean, I don't know if I could say I'm surprised at this, 
um, is just looking at the whole rhetoric coming out of Asian America in general. When I think about kind of Asians being lulled to sleep for the last 20 years in terms of like white adjacency. And it's kind of just like, Oh, like that white friend that like kind of like makes you feel safe and like cool and okay. But then like, right when, you know, things turn, it's like, okay, but you're still like that Asian kid that we don't really mess with that much. Um, and we still might've said some racist jokes to you, um, mm -hmm. which isn't anything new. Right. Um, we've seen this and Jakey's alluded to it already um, with the San Francisco and burials. So, um, you know, I think Asian Twitter has spoken um, yeah. in that sense. So I'll leave it it's at that. It's just one of those things where he said something that's kind of like an unspoken um, rule, I feel like, in terms like when with us Asian Americans, like how many Asian Americans have code switched and have, you know, joined certain um, groups or, you know, played a certain part or really played into the whiteness in order to fit in socially or to advance career wise. Like, you know, this, what he's saying is something that we often make the choice of doing. Right. And I think um, him kind of being an Asian American leader, one of like one, honestly, who broke so many rules for us of like who would have thought we would see an Asian person on that stage. Um, mm -hmm. And coming and that coming from him, I think was even more hurtful of just like, this is a reality. And it's one thing to, you know, say what the reality is, but to validate it and from a leader that a lot of people looked up to and in, in breaking the rules and breaking the ceiling, I think was like a really hurtful experience, you know? And I, I think about like, you know, we had our good friend, Kimmy Yam, who is like the correspondent at NBC Asian America. And she's her. so great. And I remember, you know, when she would write as an Asian American, but as a journalist would write impartial um, articles about Andrew Yang and, you know, quote unquote, the Yang gang made up of um, a lot of Asian Americans, especially a lot of Asian men <laughs> who came for her, mm -hmm. you know, attacked her and said, like, how dare you, you know, cut someone down, like, you know, so cut, cut someone of our kind, you know, kick someone while they're down and then now it's like almost in reverse i feel like the people in that same demographic is coming at him i mean it's a very <laughs> it's a very precarious place yeah. i mean to me like i've been able to be around some very amazing they're very they're very clever and very woke people in terms of the artist community who've been able to encapsulate that yeah. feeling into this term that we were calling like the rep sweats, right? <laughs> like you get one major representative and we're going to put all our wishes and hopes on you, even if we're not consciously mm -hmm. doing that, because the, the power and the gravity and the weight of what comes out of their mouth or what their opinions are and the ripple effect that it has on the collective, it's, it is a big deal, whether you yeah. like it or not, whether you choose yeah. or not. Um, so it, it pains me that like, I wish he would have had somebody kind of like do a once over exactly. on that op-ed or like, like, <laughs> like Andrew for such a smart guy, right. Cause like, we don't discredit him in terms of his mm -hmm. intelligence on that practical level. Like give it, like, do you understand that there are people being spit on and stabbed mm -hmm. and like assaulted and, and ostracized in public spaces right now. And to say that we need to do a better job at being more American, was like it was just it was salt on a very wound. fresh painful yeah. wound and um 
And I, I do have faith that he's going to learn. I'm sure he's getting that feedback very clearly right now. There's a lot of people who are being very vocal and that that's a generational thing maybe that's happening right now because I do think that Andrew belongs to an older generation, even though it's like a slight generation, but it is mm-hmm. an older generation where like for me and like the Korean American community, I've seen so many of the Gen Xers like really struggle with their, their Korean American, Asian American identity. Like they've really been promoted and pushed by their parents to assimilate a lot more hardcore than maybe I have in our, our demographic, our generation, like to not learn the language to really become as American as possible. And there is that distinguished factor that I've noticed in the older generation. Like they really do try to appease. No, no, you're, you're 1000% correct. Cause, um, you know, I think, I think at least for Korean Americans, it really changed after the world cup. You know what I mean? The 2002 World Cup really changed the dynamic of, because, you know, I immigrated to America in 98. And um, mm-hmm. when I first landed here, I, I met so many um, older immigrants that would be like, you know, telling my folks like, oh, you know, your your kids speak Korean so fluently. Like, how, how, mm-hmm. how are they, you know, like, are you going to like, you know, in order for them to pick up English quicker, like you should tell them to like speak English at, in the mm-hmm. crib at, at home. And my pops was like, Man, fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, if they speak English at the crib, my fucking ashtray is going to be on their head. You oh know what I'm saying? God, like, yeah. you know, my pops was hardcore like that. But I remember after 2002, all those same kids that was like, ah, oh, nah, like, you know, you were five for speaking Korean, ah, 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 and all that. You know, they started speaking, like, they started be all Korean prided the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, so right. I think there were like specific moments, and at least amongst the Korean Americans, they were like these. Um, you know, uh, celebratory moments that kind of made us proud of who we are and who, who, uh, what our parents' heritage is, and you know, for the for the global community to recognize us um, beyond just being like these docile Asian Americans, but that yo, like shit is crazy in China, like you know, all the cool shit is coming out of Japan and Korea. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we were able to live through that. Whereas I feel like, like you mentioned, Minzy, like you know, Andrew's generation or even the older generation, like they did everything they can to try to assimilate to whiteness or sometimes blackness, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever mm-hmm. that's, you know, whatever that's non-Asian, you know what I'm saying? Like I know, mm-hmm. I know, I know a couple like um older Korean gentlemen that were like uh, early immigrants that came here in the sixties. Like they don't even like to eat because like their parents just didn't like, kind of fed them that shit because they were afraid of getting bullied mm-hmm. in school yeah, for the, smile. For, for the mm-hmm. scent. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. now you got white people making kimchi and shit. So, you know, like I can't, I can't be knocking on the older generation for what they go, what they went through. So by no means, right. but I feel like with Andrew's case, like, I mean, my man was born in 75, you know what I'm saying? Like he ain't that old. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if he came here during the civil rights era, okay, cool. Like I'll maybe consider that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you grew up in like upstate New York and then you went to school in New York City. Like, you've had plenty of interactions with Koreans or, I mean, or Asians, we're not just Koreans, but Asian, Asian Americans in general. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of makes me wonder, like, what, what, what's your MO? You know what I'm saying? What's your agenda? Like, how do you perceive your own people? You know what I'm saying? And how do you want to lead your own people? You know what I mean? Because when, when, you, when you was out there campaigning, yo, like, you was championing your Asianness. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you was you was all about being down with the Asian influences. 
You know what I mean? Right. Was that an '88 concert? <laughs> you yeah. know, were, were they not were they not Americans to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, was it mm-hmm. were, were, were what we doing as Asian Americans not a part of the uh, overall American um, you know conversation? You know what I'm saying? It makes me really wonder. You know what I mean? I mean, I try not to like necessarily assume uh, intentions, although that is a very smart thing to do. I think it's it's wise to like wonder what someone's agenda is i think the the compassionate side of me is like i don't want to just automatically assume that he has some like nefarious agenda but in terms but like who knows to to be honest like maybe that's Mm -hmm. a naive part of me you know what i mean like there's there's does not have a nefarious agenda though (laughs) like (laughs) you know what i mean if you're a but it politician, yeah. who's looking at it. If if you're a politician with no nefarious agenda, I do not want to vote for you. You know what I mean? I I want a politician with as much wickedness and OMG. evilness as possible. Oh you know what I mean? Like for you to get my point across, you know, by any means necessary. If you got to cross a motherfucker, I want you to do that yeah. as a politician yeah. for me yeah. for the vote. As, you know as long as your their nefarious agenda is the yeah, same exactly. as your nefarious agenda, exactly. And yo, yes. and it, Cause yo, think about it, right? If Bernie's nefarious agenda is for me to get universal healthcare, and that's going to cost, uh, you know, certain CEOs not get bonuses, that could be nefarious today, today to to, to those CEOs and their kids. You know what I mean? Very true. And that shit Very is good true. for me. You know what I mean? So everything is uh, in and the yang, and is everything is subjective. You got to hit both sides. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's part of me that really wants to like sit down with him, even, but that scares me too. And then. Even like, I guess the, my response, and I want to know what you guys think about this. Cause we were, we we're chatting about it earlier, just like as people that are voluntarily putting our voices on a platform, right? Like we're, we're having these mm-hmm. conversations on air, allowing other people to kind of tune in to what our thoughts are and to hear others and to have an evolving conversation, especially in this time. It just feels crazy. Like I, I cannot, I just feel even right now, like there's part of me that feels nervous and I'm just like trying to unpack that. Because I'm like, I'm fully aware. I just want to have an honest conversation with my friends. But there's part of me that knows like this is going to be consumed by other ears and minds. And to what degree they're going to interpret what I say in what way. Like there's a nervousness. And I don't know if this is like the Asian in me that's like always, you know, subconsciously been trained. Mm-hmm. Don't speak up. Like you watch your back and don't don't get too crazy out there. Because like that is a, honest. And as a girl, like as a female, like my family is always in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways, told me to shut up. Um, because sometimes I'll just say things that are whack and like not fully researched and just very emotional. So maybe there's like a grain of salt that I need to take in that area. But, you know, I, I, I feel nervous. Like, and, and it, it, it makes me like, even like when I'm listening to some of my previous podcasts that have been gone out in the last two weeks, I'm listening back on it and I'm like cringing at my tone or like certain words that I use. Cause I was like, damn, I don't hope, I hope people don't take what I'm saying that I'm like in any way making light or laughing at the situation that like all of it, there's like a lot. And so I'm just wondering what you guys are thinking or how you're handling being a voice. You know what I'm saying? Like you're being a voice and you're putting your thoughts and stances and everything out there in a very sensitive time. Yeah, I can take that. Um, And I think what we were talking about, uh, yeah, being creators, right. And being content creators and, being also in an industry like where I work, where 
leadership and people are saying, oh, this is an opportunity. Everybody's home. You know, everyone's trying to consume content, right? And there's something fundamentally that I have a hard time wrapping my head around and that like, should we really be being opportunistic right now of, you know, creating more, putting more out there uh, when it's the bigger picture is just so grim. Um, that being said, I think with our podcasts and some things that felt really authentic to us, it's just really been a great outlet. And knowing that if I didn't have anyone to talk to, or it, I, it would it would just drive me nuts. Um, so being able to talk to people who are on the front lines, or just regular people, or just like other creators, and to able to confide in them, and and whether I mean, if it helps mm-hmm. me, I just feel like it would help other people as well. And I think it's also been a really great opportunity for us to focus on this podcast too, because I think when you know we have our everyday lives, like we have our jobs, and that stress bleeds over. And when that stress bleeds over, we usually go out to eat or hang out with our friends, and you know we have agendas and stuff like that. But I think when all of those kind of distractions were taken away, you know, you focus on what you have, and I'm like, oh my god, I have this podcast, you know, like. And I think it's just been a really been a great time of reflection. And, you know, Michael, I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, all of this, too, because Michael's kind of been our engineer and he's been someone who um, introduced this new series for us called Last Call, where we highlight um, other Asians or Asian-Americans who are on the forefront of COVID, whether it's dealing with it culturally um, or dealing with it in um in like a very literal like medical way um and also even talking to people um who are of you know from the east versus like the west versus east mentality and i think he really took this opportunity to not only like propel us but then give information to people who really need it and who wants to feel less alone so Michael, uh, yeah. you talk thanks about for that the bit too. tag in um Yes. Uh, yeah. I, the plague. <laughs> this is even doing this podcast is weird because I usually just sit back and listen to Jakey and Joanne talk. So I am the puppet master. The puppet master. But I, just to like put my voices, my voice and thought onto something is new to me. Um, but, you know, this time has forced me to reflect a lot about just like the type of content we're putting out there. Like, is it useful? How are people receiving it right um, in a time of like great stress and anxiety? Like, do people have the capacity to even have these conversations? Even though like at the end of the day, I feel, I do feel proud about the conversations we have had even before this podcast series, you know, before that we were having conversations about um, being a non-white person in a workplace or like um, um, being an Asian woman firefighter and what that looks like. And then that bleeding into, you know, conversations with people who own uh, bars and restaurants or were in Beijing, um, Australia, or making 3D masks, uh, things like that. So, but then, you know, with all this great content, it's like, what, how do you put it out there? Um, what's the type of messaging that is correct? Or I didn't say correct, but is authentic, um, is sensible uh, for people to mm-hmm. kind of read. Um, just because I've seen in the wave of like everyone being home and as Jojo said, just like all these people like being on IG live or doing a webinar or like want like literally I feel like content is being shoved down my throat. Um, 
and you know like what is our role in that play um what's the best way to think about our listeners and be compassionate um so there's a lot of questions i have and just in my personal life too i've been like rethinking rethinking a lot about like what does it even mean to like have meaningful conversations with people that are um that change people's hearts and minds like how do we open up new pathways and give them language to maybe uh think about things about like when we think about the moral standing of America or like how systems are created within this country. Um, so it's a lot of emotions running through it as well. Um, and that's, I think the side of content creators, um, you know, and we all have emotions and we're going through things as people that are putting out podcasts or creating things. Yeah. It's, it's a time. Um, and like, how do you reach out and create conversations? That was important. Um, and I would love for just like, People also just, you know, like a lot of Asian American content has been coming out and even I'm like finicky about the word Asian American right now and kind of the identity of it and how I like even the terms, things of like identity politics kind of hide things that are, you know, at the base of like what systematic things affect us in our everyday lives. And um, sorry, but yeah, that's a lot of what I'm thinking about and hopefully I don't know. Other people are also spending time to think about in their time at home. Yeah. And on you, honestly, like you just talking to us and opening up about your insecurities about speaking out on certain things and, and insecurity about like, you know, what is the value that I bring? Like even just hearing you open about that, like made me feel like less alone um, because, you know, you are a community leader and you've inspired other people. And just to see someone that I respect just have the same feelings that I do, but you've actually said it and like it helps me process it too. And I think these are kind of like the sparkly moments that I look forward into a podcast. And and my hope is that that is translates to, you know, a few more people like that is that really makes a difference, you. I think. It's a, it's a weird feeling because I feel like I've always kind of personally gone back and forth a lot in terms of like, what is my role, I guess, because there's part of me that has judged uh, people in power so fiercely when they are hungry for that power. Like, that's where I'm like reevaluating. This is mm. I, I'm reevaluating, not reevaluating. I'm evaluating my levels of anger and like discontent with like the powers that be right I'm trying to, I'm looking at who I gravitate towards and why yeah. and who like repulses me and why, because it does say a lot to like what my values are and how I interpret leadership. And I've noticed in general, like if I had to say an umbrella statement is that I've a lot of people who are really hungry for power, in my opinion, a lot of, a lot of them should not have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I had to summarize um, the ones that are so yeah. thirsty for it, um, is a very different agenda and a different way of executing that power than people who are fit for the job, who are willing to take that responsibility, who are called upon by other people who can validate their competency versus people who are like, hey, I want to, I want that. I want, da, 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 give it to me. I want it. I'm going to fight for it. Give it to me. Give it to me now. Like those are very different approaches to leadership, right? And so even for me, and, and then it translates to me internally, like I have taken on leadership roles in, in Asian America, in like my organization, et cetera. 
a lot I'm reflecting even mm-hmm. in terms of my behavior. I've taken them on kind of like, uh, and it's not me doing the humble brag, but I took it on unwillingly to a degree. Like I didn't feel like I was fit for these leadership roles, but I was kind of called upon. And then I had to just like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, let me, let me take this on and let me see what I can do with it and do the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like an unplanned child. You're like, uh, okay, I guess I have this now. That's a very good metaphor. <laughs> Here goes nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. I got to do this. I got to, I got to <laughs> step into my role. And so mm-hmm. it's making me check myself in a lot of different ways. Like, Minji, it doesn't matter like how you feel, just do it, handle your job. Like this is what is, is required of you versus like the feeling of like, oh, this is what I want or don't want or what I feel comfortable, don't feel comfortable. Like, I feel like it is a really important time for us to like, look at all leaders across the board in terms of how are their, how are their, how is their character being reflected in their behavior? I really hope that people are really seeing between like all the smoke and mirrors and all the bullshit and all the clickbait like really need to see who is representing us and how are they doing it you know what I mean because mm-hmm. I I'm checking myself a lot right now in this moment of reflection of how I'm going about things you know what I mean and and why it's it's yeah, a, trip. It's it's a, a tough trip journey to take um but yeah you got to step into it um fully and be willing to uh really delve deep into it uh it's a really great time to do that i think um like read books uh engage with new types of literature different new thought um but um i'm glad that you're taking those steps to just really evaluate what that looks like for yourself thank you well i'm honestly you guys are like i appreciate the content you guys put out the kind of conversations you guys have i just appreciate so much and like I mean, Michael, I know you're on the, the back, the, the puppet master and everything, but I know, you know, you and I have been able to know each other on a personal level. So I, I can feel your presence there, even though you're not on the <laughs> microphone, but also what Jojo and Jakey are able to do and like what you guys discuss and what you bring to light is honestly, it, to me, I, for lack of better words, it's a gift. You know what I mean? You don't have to do these things. You don't have to have these conversations, but you choose to do that and you choose to be a voice and be a conduit for other people to like think about some stuff that maybe they haven't conduit. thought about. Before. That was, that was in our review that That's we important. had. I just remember conduit. Um, <laughs> that was a review we got. I, d- I yes. did not see that we review. Conduit. Yeah. So, no, but Jakey and Joanne do a great job mm-hmm. of just really engaging everyone we have. And I'm always amazed at like a lot of the, co- the questions they have because I create an outline for them, but then, they ask these questions like, oh, I should have thought of that. I should have thought of that. Oh, that's a really good question. So it's been <laughs> amazing to be able to work with them. Yeah. I mean, but shouts to Michael, too, of him completely transitioning our in-person setup into a remote setup. Like, he is literally delivering our headsets and disinfecting them to our guests. And we're just so thankful for him. Like a lot of people don't have that. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of creators don't have that. Like Minji, you know, you know how many friends of yours or friends of ours that have started a podcast and after two episodes you're like where'd it go <laughs> yeah for sure it's a lot of work and it it's is. thanks to a lot of people who support and the network that makes it possible absolutely shouts to the yeah. behind the scenes and and I'm curious too to kind of like bring it full circle because you yeah. know you guys are really like in a way at least for our country at this moment kind of spearheading the 
not spearheading, but you're like the front line in terms of dealing with the the majority of the chaos, right? In terms of fallout, I feel mm-hmm. like you guys, uh, and it's not to make it su- super heavy or like whatever, but it's an acknowledgement of like what is and because of like, I mean, New York, man, like nine eleven too, and everything. I'm like, geez, like why? But I'm like also thinking in terms of like a spiritual level, like. God gives us what we can handle. And I feel like mm-hmm. if there was any any place that could handle it, it's like New Yorkers have that toughness. New Yorkers have that ability to like deal with the rough and tumble and they're going to still be able to be okay too. You know what I mean? So there's part of me that like, I'm not in any way trying to make light of what's going down in New York, but because we are speaking to a global audience right now, because there are varying levels of, of experiences that are going to be happening in the next coming weeks, right? Like, what are ways that y'all are handling this? What are ways that you're taking care of yourself? What have you guys noticed within your community as as a strategy or, you know, coming together? Because we can all use those positive examples that we ought to follow Jakey's a real right? New Yorker. Um, I'm just a transplant, but I've had the yeah. pleasure of living in this city. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Jakey, I think um, start? It's, it's, it's definitely unprecedented, at least in America, because... Um, New York is the most dense city in the United States. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think the experience of mm-hmm. what's what New Yorkers are facing right now is going to be very different from other parts of the country, I think. I mean, especially in a place like L.A. where uh, everybody travels by car. So you're already quarantined. You know what I mean? Like you're, you've been social distancing your whole life if you're like growing up in L.A. regardless. So... I don't think it's that big of, a, I mean, I can't speak for all LA um, uh, folks, but I, I think the transition is not going to be as dramatic or drastic as, as we're experiencing it in New York, you know? Um, but I, I think, um, I mean, I've been emphasizing this a lot in a lot of the recent podcast episode we've been um, recording, but I think the sense of a community, uh, it doesn't really... Uh, it's not really strongly ingrained in the United States as much because in, 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 in essence, like America is a social experiment where um, I don't know who did it. Maybe it was the uh, Rothschilds. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was the Washingtons. I don't know who, but they're like, all right, cool. Let's bring all these races together, put them all in this one country and let them figure this shit out and see if it works. Um, I think it's working to some degree because we're all having sex with each other. We're making babies with each other, but I, I don't know if it's working that well yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's why, like, when you hear certain countries, like, in South Korea or in China, when they say, like, yo, go social distance, like, there's a sense of community because, like, okay, like, you look like me. It's a homogenous society. We're all in this together. Whereas in America, um, you you feel that divide, you know, not only economically, but culturally, you know, as well. So, um, I think that's, that's the, that's the unfortunate part of what I've been seeing that like the sense of community doesn't really exist as strongly, but, um, to your point, Minji, like the interesting thing about New Yorkers is that a lot of us don't call ourselves Americans. <laughs> like we're so cocky, like we call ourselves <laughs> New Yorkers. Like, it's like, like I don't associate yeah, with the rest yeah. of this country. Like I just associate myself with New York City <laughs> and not even Long Island, Jersey, or upstate, none of that shit. Like I just associate it to the five boroughs. That's only like you know what I'm saying? Like that's how we see ourselves. So I think in that sense, like 
you know, we see ourselves as New Yorkers. So, you know, like the people that's still out there in the streets doing what they got to do. Um, some people might complain like, yo, like, why don't you be social distancing? But some of these people, they got to make money, you know, like they, they getting paid under the table. If they don't work, they don't get paid. There's no stimulus for them. You know what I mean? They don't pay taxes, you know? So I think those type of sense of commu- mm-hmm. like, like, so in that sense, we all understand what they, what they do. Now, if you're like a youngin out there smoking weed in the park or playing five on five basketball when this shit is happening now, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to yell at you. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, for the rest mm-hmm. of the people out there, I feel like as a collective, as a community, um, we've been, we've been trying to be respectful. Um, we've been trying to come together as one. Uh, hopefully that exists that, that hopefully more of that comes out from this overall experience and not, you know, separate us. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think during the Obama years, you know, we kind of saw like this new progressive uh, way of people that were living in progressive parts of America became more progressive during the Obama years. You know what I mean? And um, all the ugliness really mm-hmm. that still was deeply embedded in America started to creak out when Trump first got elected. But I think the solid, the sense of solidarity was kind of coming back in its as a whole. And this COVID shit happened and you started hearing all these accusations against Asian brothers and sisters. And I think hopefully that, you know, that doesn't phase New York. Hopefully people are smart enough in this city where, you know, we kind of see beyond that. Now, for the rest of the country, I don't know. Y'all a bunch of racist hicks out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. But (laughs) um, I think at least in New York, hopefully we we persevere. Like, you know, I will still go hit up the spots where the Aki's. Sell the boat, you know, sell, sell, sell the cigarettes and all that, you know, still cop the chopped cheese. And hopefully mm. the brothers still come to the Chinese spots and eat General General Tao's chicken. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully that com- sense of community still exists. I think um, for me in the way of like handling things, number one, I think this whole thing reminded all of us, especially New Yorkers, to slow down. And it also forced us to confront um, our control freak tendencies. I'm personally a control freak. I'm personally someone who's very, you know, goal oriented. And I usually use my goals as a way of, um, finding joy and happiness. Um, I've, I realize that I have a tendency to say like, I'll be happy if, I'll be happy if I make this much or I'll be happy if, you know, we reach this, all those things. And I was a very future thinking person. And when all of this hit and then made all of that unclear, all my goals were thrown off my timelines. I became very, very depressed. And I had to confront that, like, I wasn't trying to find contentment or joy in my everyday life. I was trying to escape being sad in the moment by just thinking about the future and kind of, Mm. you know, I keep saying like, this has humbled us. It has humbled me into knowing that I just have absolutely no control (laughs) of, you know, situations Mm -hmm. and being able to respond to that with grace. And um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been really hard and depressing and um, going through waves of just like letting myself feel the feels, but also like pulling myself out of bed. Um, and in terms of, again, handling it, it's just like getting closer to that stage of acceptance and um, using this opportunity to realize that like, all right, you know, 
if I take out all the fun restaurants, the parties, the, you know, in-person recordings, all that stuff. And like, all is left is like me, myself and I, like, what is going mm-hmm. to be the, um, the thing that makes me happy? And I think these are really great questions that I'll be able to answer after all of this and to put things into perspective. And it's something that I hope I don't forget when all of this is over. I hope I don't forget all of this. Yeah, man. Health is wealth. You know what I'm saying? Health is wealth. You know, like sometimes we, we, sometimes we forget like how, what we have is already Mm -hmm. of great value. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I had this, I had this conversation with Jojo one time and I was like, um, I think we, I think it was about, uh, the comfortable, uh, nature of, of like, of, of your job or something along those lines. Like I said, I said like, oh, you have a comfortable job. And you was like, you think I have a comfortable job? Like I deal with X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And I was like, yeah, but I'm out here hunting. Like there's no guaranteed check for me (laughs) unless I don't, unless I don't work. Like there's no guaranteed check. Like you could take like a sick day and you still get paid. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, Mm. so I, I say that to say like, let's be appreciative of what we have. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like appreciative of the fact that, yo, mm-hmm. I have a fucking balcony in my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine if I got stuck in a room, mm-hmm. like by myself, dolo, with no like female, uh, with no female accompany a, a with me during this whole quarantine. I'd just be watching Pornhub all day in a small ass room. You know what I'm saying? Like, that shit would be fucking whack. You know what I mean? Oh, no. But now I got a nice... And yeah, that is. Reality. And, you know, shout out to all the brothers being they meet right now. You know what I mean? But, yo, like, <laughs> yo, I, I, you know, but but like, luckily, Ooh, I got that. Man. You know, luckily, luckily, I got a nice house. You know what I'm saying? I got some nice furniture. I got plants. I got a little balcony. I got a nice kitchen that I could cook. You know, what else can I ask for? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, unfortunately, a lot of people out there don't have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they don't even mm-hmm. know how they're going to pay for their rent. They don't know how they're going to pay for their phone bill next month, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have family members out here that could hold them down if shit comes, you know, shit really hits the fan, you know? So let's just be thankful about what we have. Let's just be grateful, you know? Like, I think that's kind of the mindset that we need to put ourselves in. And, yo, whatever whatever ways you can, yo, try to take advantage of the government, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, try to get that check, try to get that unemployment check by any means necessary, you know? Like fucking start a gold yeah. fund, you know what I mean? I mean that's do whatever you got to do. I love it that people are being, yeah. Like I, I've been getting you know so much more information and like appreciating everybody being that much more helpful because we don't know what what is again available at our advantage, right? Like or who's supposed to apply for what and how and when and like you know for a lot of people who especially honestly. I mean, depends on who you are. I'm not going to make assumptions, but at least for me as like the kid, the kid from immigrant parents where I had to translate stuff or like for my parents or for my grandparents, it was like a bi-directional communication. We don't, they don't, I don't have like necessarily my parents to educate me on all the things that I can take advantage of. Sometimes it's me educating them. Right. And like, it's a very group effort situation where I don't, I don't know. There's some mechanisms within this this ecosystem of money and this economy that I I'm still as a full grown adult mm-hmm. learning about <laughs> that I'm like, Oh, how did honestly, like, it feels stupid to say, but I'm like, fully, I'm like, how does unemployment work? Like I had a vague idea, mm-hmm. but I didn't Same. fully know. You don't know until it like applies to you. Right. So I feel like it's a very educational moment for a lot of people. Yeah. 
like they don't know they don't know that they're allowed to participate in x y or z they don't know yeah, that man. that's available i mean some people were saying like oh nah like how can i get unemployment how can i do this like like as if they were ashamed to do that and i was like nah b like mm-hmm. you live in america <laughs> you know what i'm saying you pay taxes you know you have a right to obtain um what the government the social structure provides for you you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. don't be ashamed don't don't feel prideful about this shit this is why you live in this country. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like take, like if anything, this country owes you healthcare, B. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this country owes you a lot more than you think. So don't ever be ashamed of taking out on uh, unemployment when you're down and you know, you need support. You know what I'm saying? I also been thinking a lot about um, how people, and I, how people have turned their attention to a lot of frontline workers and, uh, people delivering and grocery stores. Uh, and I say this, I want to caveat this because I, I did go to labor school. So this might seem a little labor preachy, but um, you know, if you're curious about like the lives of these people, even before the virus or like why they're in certain situations, like read up on like union stuff, like what's it, what is a union? Um, or, you know, if you're thinking about a rent strike, you know, like what's a tenant union and like how they've done it in the past. I think there's a lot of great resources out there that are just um, have been there and they've, you know, even Asian American organizing, you know, even from back, back, back when like there's been people that have been doing it. So, you know, if you have time to like sit and like read these things and like take time to like bring them into your being, like, I think it's a great opportunity to do that. And, uh, maybe you can like see how it yeah. can apply to you knowledge is power yeah right? nah, knowledge is power mm-hmm. man for real knowledge is king you know what i'm saying um yeah like i think oh yeah but just to add on to that you know since i feel like um again like i, I don't know how it is over there in the west coast uh because again like you guys could drive like y'all could y'all could just you know, y'all could drive off somewhere to the desert, you know what I'm saying? Like, and chill and just literally social distance yourself mm-hmm. uh, a lot easily. You know what I'm saying? Just go to Joshua Tree if shit, you know, if shit hits the fan, you know what I'm saying? But uh, over here, like a lot of New Yorkers, we don't even have cars. So um, a lot of us just been home and, you know, like Ubers or any of these, uh, um, you know, car services we we feel afraid to jump in on these because you know they they a lot of these spots are probably you know probably already done got hit with the rona so i think these times that mm-hmm. we're at the crib a lot um it's it's really important to meditate man i think the 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 benefits of meditation is really mm-hmm. undermined in this country i mean it's under um it's underappreciated in this country you know what i'm saying like I mean, I can't blame them. You know what I'm saying? Most of these people don't uh, don't even understand what it is. They rather just watch TV. Um, but meditation, man, having mm-hmm. having your uh, having um, conversations with yourself is sometimes is, is sometimes the greatest uh, practice that you could do on a daily basis. You know, if you don't understand yourself, how do you expect other people to understand you? You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, having, having, um, you know, conversations with yourself. That's what meditation is. And I highly encourage that for people out there that's confused and, you know, trying to, trying to, um, trying to overcome this situation right now. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm definitely all about that. And, you know, sometimes the way that it can be presented can be very like, 
I, I'm fully aware that I'm like a California girl. So they're going to take it like, oh, all you, you crazy like California people with their meditation and stuff. But the way I try to present it to anybody who cares to listen is on a very practical level. You know what I mean? Like our brains are very, in, we get influenced by the second, by everything around us, right? Whether that's even like the music that you listen to, it becomes ingrained in your brain as like a message that you kind of, it, it kind, of, kind of becomes like hypnotic in a way. Like some people, I have friends that like say, you know, be careful about the music that you consume because it's like spell work. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you, you start to listen to it. It becomes like your belief system. It becomes your habits. So I'm like, wow, that's some, that's some next level uh, nah, it truly is though. It truly is but because really- you know when you have teenage angst, you know what I'm saying. Like a lot of that is, <laughs> some you know a lot of that is supported by angry music. Like some of the shit that I was listening to as a kid, like I was a heavy DMX fan. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of wow. pain and emotion <laughs> in that music, and you know I sometimes still need to listen to that just to kind of get amped up in the gym, but. You know, what a 30-something-year-old mm-hmm. J. Key is probably not going to be listening to uh, music that is as aggressive. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you just want to stay home and chill and listen to some jazz and listen to some Coltrane and, you know what I'm saying, meditate <laughs> and have, you know, some Bossa Nova bop, bopping in the background. You know, that type of vibe. So I think, you know, you. mental food is also food. And, you know, you are what you eat. Yes. Music, books. What you're listening to, the type of news you consume, all of that is mental food, you know? The type of porn you consume. The type of porn, too, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, not definitely. That's That's a whole whole other conversation, but it is, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, it's true. It's all that is mental food. So, what you put into your mind is going to have a direct reflection on your body. And then the same thing with food, though, actual physical food, you know, what you put into your body, it's going to have a direct effect on your mind. Everything is interconnected, you know, the whole concept of in and the yang, the right. balance, that shit is a real thing. You know what I'm saying? So I think um, in these times of crisis, man, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't want to listen to the news every day, just shut that shit off. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you don't need all that negativity at all times, you know, like listen to positive music, you right. know, listen to um, read positive books, you know what I'm saying? Eat healthy food. You know, like a lot of these people were stocking up on meat. I thought that shit was the dumbest fucking shit ever. You know what I mean? Like meat goes bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, why the fuck are you stocking up on meat? You know what I mean? Like, and also like, why are you getting all that canned goods when this is a health crisis? Like canned goods and health doesn't go along with each other. Like you should be getting fruit. You know what I'm saying? You should be eating vegetables. Like... And if you're really afraid that the uh, the, the supermarkets are going to be fucking closed down forever, then I think you have other things to worry about. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it was going to get to that point, I think there's a lot more other things to be worried about then. You know what I mean? Like, so I think overall, man, just educate yourself, man. Mind food. Mind food. For sure. And I think this level is, I think in general, we're going to, we're getting a raised consciousness. That's, that's mm-hmm. my silver lining. I, I keep yeah. reinforcing that because again, I feel like whether you like it or not, people are more aware of like their health. They're more aware of hand washing yeah. than damn sure. They're more aware of like how different leaders are choosing to inform and how they're not. And I'm becoming even more aware of like, okay, I can blame XYZ person, but then when I have a conversation with them, they're like, yo, our news outlets, our our leaders are like telling us X, but you guys are doing Y. Like, we got to look at that. And there's only, so you know, like where to even quote unquote place blame and 
who to hold accountable. I'm getting checked too. And not uh, kind of resting on my laurels and like making all these kinds of assumptions. Like, I don't want to be part of the problem. You know what I mean? And so um, there's a lot, there's a lot that we're going to be evaluating and course Mm. correcting. Um, Some of it might be extreme, but other, otherwise I think that there is a lot for us to continue to learn and then apply and appreciate at the end of the day, what we're all saying is like, just appreciate it, appreciate what you have, appreciate what you, what you're aiming for and then go get that, you know? Um, with that, with as minimal fallout as possible. I just don't want people to go out hurting yeah, each other. Man. Is also the thing because everybody. Yeah, no, nah, I know, I know, right I know, now. I know. A lot of K Town you know? residents are um packing heat. You know what I'm saying? Like copping guns, um, all of that. Which, you know, like I'm not here to judge. Like you know, personally, I'm anti-gun. But if you feel like it's you know, if you feel like it's gonna is gonna make you feel safer, then yo, it is what it is. It's your right in this country, right? But uh, I I think that's another mm-hmm. thing, man. Like, uh, like fear is something that is created in your head. You know what I'm saying? And it's something that we oftentimes doesn't understand how to control. Um, but once you understand how to control mm-hmm. your fear, and you you're able to control your fear once you start having conversations with yourself kind of goes back into the whole concept of meditation right you know so i think um as long as you understand how to control your fears as long as you understand how to uh have conversations with yourself everything that's going on around you outside outside of the house outside of your safety net all that shit is just noise you know what i'm saying you just got to cancel that noise um and uh, and, you know Mm -hmm. instead of copping guns you should be having conversations with yourself because you know that shit is just it's just a way for you to um hide your fears. And uh I just hope that people understand so. that. And um hopefully all everybody, all of us, we could persevere um without being consumed by our fears. Amen. Preach. Damn, son. I just fucking went mm-hmm. kind of deep for so for for some reason, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, like, yo. As deep as JQ's you gonna get it. Blacked out for a second. Yeah, back. You know what I mean? I just kinda got into my zone. <laughs> What are you talking about? Jake is, Jake is always deep. In my mind, I'm like kidding. No, no, no. Jo- Jojo not kidding. Jojo only sees my jokey side. You know what I'm saying? She only sees me messing around and all that. Um, and, jo- and half the time, Jojo doesn't understand what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? My vernacular is all over her head. It's just like she needs like yeah, a, I just, you know, she needs a dictionary. Not, yeah, just, you know, just you have to laugh at the right cues and you'll get by. <laughs> I love you guys so much. I, I can can you guys uh, do the plugs on like where everybody can follow your podcast and you guys individually because if they want to keep up with the conversations you all are having over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael, why don't you plug? Yeah, for sure, Michael. You do your thing, man. You the producer, kid. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I don't do this. Um, no, you can check us out at six ninety nine per pound podcast. Uh, we're on all major streaming platforms. Apple, Spotify, um, you name it, we're on it. That's directly from Jakey. Um, let's see. Uh, we're on Instagram, six ninety nine per pound, and Twitter, Facebook. Uh, and our new series that we've been working on is called Last Call. It's specifically, um, we're having conversations with Asians uh, from different perspectives, professions, places about how COVID-19 has affected them and the people around them. Mm-hmm. So um check it out um in the way you in the way you feel fit 
understand this is a crazy time right now. So everyone has their processes of how they're going about their life. Uh, but appreciate you even tuning into this episode and getting this far. Uh, my name is Michael, and you can catch me on Instagram, mad.names, and on Twitter. Word, yes. word, word, word. Yeah, make sure you follow us, man. Subscribe to us. Um, mm-hmm. Leave a comment. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Each one, teach one. Uh, my name is Jakey Cho. Just Google me. You know what I mean? That's all you got to do. Yeah, and it's JoJo. Um, I'm also the co-host of the pod. Um, you can find me on Instagram at JoJo Parque, J-O-J-O-P-A-R-Q-U-E. But ultimately, follow our podcast. And yeah, if you Google it, we'll be out there. Thank you guys so much. I, I just appreciate you all and love you all. And I am hoping that you guys stay safe and healthy. And I believe that you will because you're all smart and take care of each other. Um, but thank you. Thank you guys for being who you are and like for your platform. And honestly, these conversations like, yeah, they're happening in this particular moment in time. But I feel like they're going to have relevance and uh, significance throughout all of it. You know what I mean? And all these stories are going to be, I don't know, people. I hope that they continue to reference this even after that. We after we get back to quote-unquote normal life, which I don't know how normal that's going to be. (laughs) But there's value in in us sharing all these stories and then learning from them so that we can continue that work. So thank you guys for doing that. Thank you, Minji, for having us. Thank you, Minji, for having us. Much love. Well, I quickly want to say thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer, for helping uh, co-produce this and put this out into the universe. And again, if you guys are interested in backing... Uh, this podcast for first of all go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast and thank you to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger for the intro and shout out to Uzuhan for his use of song, uh, use of his song Uzu Trap for the outro and sending so much love out to New York and to honestly the world right now please stay safe wash your hands social distance and take care of yourself and take care of each other because we'll get through this one day at a time together together yes well take care you guys and I will talk to you soon okay peace 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 yeah Came in 88 with a dream also oh bright eyed. They knew right away, sick of swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting their teeth on the move. Nobody's filling these shoes. Balling on a budget, at the golden arch, super size number two. Cash. Way that the world ain't budging. Gotta make a power move. Deep in the darkest dungeons. I'm digging up my own room. Hey, hands on the plow. Keep my head down. Keep my head down. Sweat on my brow. Sweat on my brow. Don't make a sound. Hey, my dudes now. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.